Welcome to another episode of The Central Word, a podcast ministry of Central Baptist Church, Texarkana, Arkansas. Today's episode is from the morning message of Sunday, November 26th, and is preached by our special guest, Brother Josh Mudford. Our desire is that this message builds you up in your faith as you walk daily with Christ. Grace did much more abound. All right. Some of you are waking up. Thank you, brother, for that. Uh, I know that's a hard way to lead music, but he did a fantastic job. It's always good to be at Central um, with all of you familiar faces and uh, been in and out uh, the last 14 years. Haven't been here so much, but uh, Deanna and I had the opportunity to visit some of them were in college, and uh, of course the Woolseys have been part of this church for, for years now. But uh, always good to, to be here. I hope that after I finish this series of sermons this morning that you can say the same thing. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. Uh, as I got into this, I, I realized, it's like, man, this, is, this, this could be bad. For one thing, I haven't had uh, the opportunity to preach a lot, and, uh, and, and then this just kept growing, and I thought, this is really a series, um, so if, if you need to be dismissed, just, just quietly ease out. The good news is, with, with services starting earlier now, like some of them do, and like it is here, you'll still uh, maybe beat the Methodist to... <laughs> Golden Corral or wherever it is you're going, there's, there'll still be food. So um, I, I desire to see God move among his people. We live in an interesting time. Um, you really don't even have to watch the news to know that. You can just drive down the street, but it is certainly an interesting time and crazy really, in a lot of ways, but God is God, and none of this has caught him by surprise, and he has called us to this time and this place for a purpose, for a reason. I desire, I believe more than, more than we desire, God desires to move among his people. I desire that we, we be talking not about what God did, but about what God's doing. He, he is the God who identified himself as the I am. He, he wants to move today. So for 20 years, I suppose, I have struggled with, if I'm going to be honest, I have struggled with how little the church resembles, the church today resembles the church that we see in Acts. When the church was birthed and then all those miracles and, and I'm not looking for signs, but... But I, I've seen God do miracles. And I, I'm not looking for flashy. I'm just looking for God to do something. And, and in, in small ways and big ways and all kinds of ways. But I, I feel like we don't resemble a whole lot what was going on in the pages of Acts. And, and I think we should. 
I, I think we should in a lot of ways. For, for 14 years or so, for sure the conviction has been stronger because as a pastor, the question always lingered, what am I doing about it? What am I doing about it and how am I leading the people that God has placed under my care, how am I leading them to do something about it? And I wish I had better answers, but over, over the last month or so, my family and I have had the opportunity and great privilege of visiting several churches, including this one. And brother, I'm so grateful for, for your trust in me and this opportunity you've given today for, for us to be with you again. We've, we've visited around, we still have a list of, of uh, churches where friends go, family, people have invited us, and if, if somebody's invited us to church, we put it on the list, and we want to go to that church and visit, but, uh, but quite a few, and it has been refreshing. It, it has been good. It is always good to be with God's people in God's house, to hear God's word. It's, it's always good. I, I don't understand people who call themselves Christians and can't seem to find a church. I think there's a disconnect big time there. It'd be like you saying, hey, I like you all right, but I can't stand Deanna. <laughs> like, then we're not okay. <laughs> because she's, she's part of me. But, but I love the church. I love the church, and it's, and it's been good seeing old friends and hugging a lot of necks and just thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, but I found myself asking, and, and not just about me and my family, but about these churches, about all of us, what are, what are we doing? What are, what are we doing? Are, are we accomplishing our mission our God-given mission as his church? Are we advancing God's kingdom? Or have we become content in this interesting time we live in? And what I believe, not just the last days, but the last hours, have we become content to just check boxes and go through the motions? And, and then that's good enough. And again... Think back on all the things, even if we have to go all the way back to Scripture, think back on the things that God has done instead of seeking Him to do things today. I'm afraid in a lot of ways I don't like the answers to those questions. I don't know if you've heard of Leonard Ravenhill. I haven't spent a lot of time, but he's, he's one of those guys just has some good quotes and he said once, I like this, I like, I like what he said, and it fits this morning. He said that the church was born in the upper room in a fire and has resorted to the supper room in the smoke. And as much as I like that saying, I hate it. I'm concerned about its truth. I want to be clear, though, that there's no judgment on my part. I'm trying to deliver a message that I believe the Lord has given me for this morning. There's no judgment on my part. I, I love Central Baptist Church, and I don't know enough about Central Baptist Church or any of you to, to make any judgment. I'm just, uh, 
Adrian Rogers said once, I'm shooting down in a hole, and if you're in the hole, I'm, I'm sorry. He also said, um, a lot of times people tell the preacher, well, you stepped on my toes, and maybe some of you will be guilty of telling me that this morning after service, but I will say with him, if I stepped on your toes, I'm sorry, I missed, I was aiming for your heart. Folks, that's what we need. We, we need something in our hearts. We need to be moved. So this isn't, uh, I, I need this. Unfortunately, I, I, I hate to admit how much I need this. I kind of called this what we're lacking, and I, I should have called it what Josh Mudford's lacking. But this morning, I'm, I'm really speaking of the church in general, but prayerfully, it challenges us corporately. Prayerfully, it challenges Central Baptist Church, but, but prayerfully, it gives us the opportunity to examine ourselves, not just corporately, but individually, because any church is only as healthy as its members. So in order for Central Baptist Church to experience revival, to experience the powerful, omniscient, omnipotent God doing a work here in 2023, 2024 soon, if he tarries, it depends on each of us really caring about the circle that's around our own feet and doing something about that. I can't bring revival for you you can't do it for someone across the room. We need to draw each of us a circle around our feet and get everything in that circle right. I pray that you desire that. And I pray that I would desire it more. A healthy church is only as healthy as its members. As I said earlier, I, I love the church. I have given myself in so many ways over the last years I, I suppose in no way to brag, and, and I've lacked in a lot of ways, but, but try to lay my life down for the church. I love God's church, and I want to see her be a glorious church, the church that I know he desires for her to be. And, folks, we have some room to improve. I want to be in, or going to be in Acts chapter 1 for the most part this morning, Hopefully I won't spin out in every direction. Um, some preachers don't use notes, and I've had people just scold me because I do. And they say I'm not dependent on the Holy Spirit and all kinds of other things. <laughs> and, and, and so here's the deal. My wife will vouch for me. I have to have notes, or we will be here. And um, <laughs> the notes are to constrain me and to keep me... <laughs> On track because uh, the fewer notes I have, the the longer the sermon. All right. So, um, and again, this could turn into a series real quick. So we're going to try to avoid that. Acts one, eight through eleven. If you would stand in honor of the reading of God's word, please. Acts one, eight through eleven. I'm sorry, I should have given y'all that address a while back. I think it looks like most everybody has found it. 
red letters, Jesus speaking in verse 8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. When he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Lord, help us today that our hearts would be receptive to your word and that our, our, our minds and tongues and hands and feet would be responsive to your word. I, I pray that you help me this morning to deliver your word heartily and I pray that you help your people to receive it with the love that it is intended. That all of us, Lord, would be changed. That none of us would leave the same way we came. And that you would receive glory. Thank you for Central Baptist Church. I, I don't even know how long it's been sitting on this street. But, but years and years. Thank you for the lives that, that have been touched. Thank you for the lives that will be touched. And I thank you, Lord, for the revival you desire not to send, that you don't send revival, you bring revival. So I pray that the people of Central Baptist Church would long to see you move and that each one would determine this morning, hey, I can't do anything about anybody else, but as much as is in me, I'm going to yield myself to the Lord and seek revival in my life and be all that you've called me to be in my church. Help us to do it. Lord, help us to, to lay our lives down, to take up our cross daily and follow you. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's an incredible passage, just four verses, but we see there a reiteration of the Great Commission. You all will remember that in Matthew 28 when Jesus, I, I think it's impressive that this is that is repeated, but the last words are important, aren't they? It's amazing to me how we've slipped from Jesus' last words. Go, go, and 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 yet there's not a whole lot of that. Again, as I examine myself, man, I could be going a whole lot more, but. He, he reiterated the Great Commission. He said, go tell people about me. Make disciples. And he used a strong word. He said, you shall be my witnesses. And the word is martyrs. And we all cringe, especially as we realize that this word is for us too, not just for these disciples that were gathered around as he ascended back to heaven. The word is for us. You shall be my martyrs. And go, well, wow, I didn't sign up for all that. Well, the thing is, we did. We did. And when we think of martyr, we think of, uh, maybe you've read Fox's Book of Martyrs. I've read part of it. I couldn't handle it. But the faithfulness of those disciples, of those, of those people that have gone before us and have served the Lord faithfully even to the death, folks, it's, it's, a, it's a calling to lay our lives down. And, and, and certainly, 
it, it may require death. We, we've been so spoiled in America as we don't know much about persecution. But hold on. Hold on. And even this morning as we're gathered here in this comfortable room with, with the heater on and these comfortable chairs, our brothers and sisters around the world are suffering persecution. They know what it is to be a martyr but I don't believe a martyr has to lay down their life to the death. I believe it's a calling to lay our lives down every day. He loved us so much that he laid down his life for us, that he died for us. What little sacrifice would it be, folks, if we lived for him? He's called us to be martyrs. It seems that he's calling these early disciples and us to lay down our lives, to follow him and to make him known. Is, is there a world out there that needs to know Jesus? Do you have neighbors that do? I suspect we could all, maybe even right now, you're thinking of someone. Yeah, there are a lot of people. The, the way is still broad that leads to destruction, right? There are a whole lot more people out there that are lost than are saved. It's a dark world. It's a world in need of light. It's a world in need of people who would take Jesus up on his instruction and follow him and make him known. And, and, and maybe we don't like that. I, I think we need to spend some time when somebody comes to the Lord, when somebody makes a profession of faith, we need to spend some time telling them what it costs. It's more than just signing your name on a church membership card and, and being baptized. Folks, following Jesus should, should cost. It, it should cost. And if you have a problem with that, we can, and, and I will, I'll make a couple of references. We won't spend a lot of time on it. But, but Jesus had already established a pattern up to this point of what it looks like to follow him. He said in, in Luke 9.23, that a disciple is to deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow him. In Matthew 10, 37 through 39, he talks about the love that we have for him, how it ought to make even the love we have for our family appear hate, that we should love him above all else. And he, he says again, take up your cross. He says something there in Matthew 10, Pretty significant. He says, if you don't love me above all else, and you don't take up your cross, you're not worthy of me. Jesus said that. So it's okay that he continues that pattern here and says, you shall be my martyrs. You should lay down your life for me to make me known. So from my observation just from these few verses and acts, I believe we see a drift in the modern church. A lacking, if you will, even at the basic level of watering down what it means to follow Christ. I believe we've drifted even in the definition of what a disciple is. Not to our credit. We think of folks that live like Jesus described in the Gospels, like those who take up their cross daily and follow him, 
those who are fanatical. We, we think of them as fanatics. We think of them as super Christians somehow. But no, folks, sacrificial devotion should mark every believer. If we are his, we are his. If he is Lord, then we need to fall in. Whatever it looks like, whatever it costs, we're all called, you shall be my martyrs. We're all called to sacrificial devotion. We are all called to lay down our lives. Something else that it seems we have gotten over in large part, and, and by the way, that was the first sermon in the series, even though it could go on another 45 minutes. It was the first, the first thing. Um, it, even the, the definition of what a disciple is. But something else I believe we've gotten over in large part and it's at the heart of Jesus' last instructions to us. It's evangelism. We are called, all of us. Folks, if you are saved, you are called. And I don't know what your calling looks like, and maybe you don't either, but you ought to figure it out and get to it. You're going to answer for it. He's Lord. And you're going to stand before him and you're going to give an account. Maybe similar if you're employed and maybe, maybe there are times where you've been called on the carpet of your boss and, and maybe just for evaluation and maybe it went well. But it'll look kind of like that except it'll be in front of the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. He'll say, hey, I, I saved you. I, I blessed you with some talents and some, some time and some, some resources, a family, church family, all these things. Let, let's have a talk about that. What does that look like? Let's talk about your stewardship. That's going to happen. We all have an appointment and we will keep it. But the heart of Jesus' message is evangelism and we're all called to be evangelists. We're all called to share the gospel, to make disciples. It's not just Brother Mike's job. We can be guilty of thinking that. It's not just, I suspect, I, I've seen this man's heart already, and I suspect that if you had a cousin or a brother or uncle, son, and you wanted Brother Mike to come and, and witness them and share Jesus with them, I'm certain he'd be there in a heartbeat. But it's not his job. It's your job. And guess what? You can do it. You can do it. You should do it. It's not just those professional Christians that are called to advance the kingdom. It's you. It's me. It's all of us. So this thing of evangelism, some of the last words Jesus gave us were, go, make disciples, share the gospel. You shall be my witnesses. So I have some questions I want to ask you. I don't want anybody to answer them out loud because I wouldn't want to. But, but here we go. You deal with them in your heart. When's the last time 
you led someone to the Lord personally. It's unfortunate that not just this church, but any church we went to in this town or in this country, most of the people would say, I've never led anybody to the Lord. Folks, is that something we ought to make a matter of prayer? If the Lord has told us to do that, do you think he's prepared to equip us? I think so. So I'm not beating you up about your answer, but ask her, when's the last time you led someone to the Lord? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down in degrees and see where we're at. And now I'm going to challenge you to go up in degrees and ask the Lord to help you. So when's the last time you shared the gospel? When, when's the last time you just planted a seed? Because I'm not... That, that's an important thing. They, they say, it was years ago that I read this, they say that someone has to hear the gospel seven times. On average, it's probably more than that now, but then it was seven times on average before they respond and make a decision to follow the Lord. When's the last time you were one of those seven? They just planted a seed. Folks, we need to be about it. I'm afraid we're lacking today in the church evangelism. We are not fulfilling our commission Let's look at 10 and 11 again. While they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. I can hear these men. Didn't Jesus give you something to do? Do you see the disciples? They're doing the same thing all of us would have been doing. Oh, wow. They did it too long. These, these men, they said, didn't he tell you, why are y'all still standing here looking up into heaven? Didn't he give you something to do? Maybe you should get to it. After all, he is coming back as you saw him go. And what did those folks do? They got to it. The rest of Acts tells that story, really. But do you, do you sense the urgency as these disciples are standing there looking up as all of us would have? Just a marvel. Just Can you imagine? As Jesus received out of their sight. But then these men, and, and folks say they're angels, I have different theory, but it doesn't matter. These men show up and say, what are y'all doing? Get to it. Get busy. Do you, do you sense the urgency? And here we are, folks. We're talking about things we're lacking this morning. Here we are 2,000 years closer to what these guys reminded the disciples that he that Jesus had promised that he is hey if I go I'm coming again 
We're 2,000 years closer to him coming again, and it seems that we are living with less urgency they had than they had in the first century. Jesus is coming maybe today. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Maybe today he is coming. Folks, do we believe that? Do y'all believe? I, I, I believe personally the next event on the church calendar is the rapture of the church. Jesus is going to call us home, and it could be today. We're not looking for another sign. We're not waiting for something to happen in Israel. Looking for another soul. Maybe we should get to it. But it could happen today, and just as Romans 13, 11 says, I believe it is high time for the church to wake out of sleep. I'm afraid what Brother Leonard Ravenhill said is right. Here we are in the supper room, in the smoke, snoozing. All the while, 2,000 years closer than when these guys hit the ground running like Jesus was coming back today. He might. So we have watered down what it means to be a disciple. We've neglected evangelism. We've lost our sense of urgency. But one more thing, verse 8, the first thing we read, it says that you shall receive power. I said we haven't come anywhere near visiting all the churches in this area, and I've loved every one. And, and, and I'm not saying God's not doing anything. God's working. God's always up to something. But, folks, there's an over, overall lack of power in the church today. We lack power. I want to remind you of what Jesus said after Peter's great response to his question, who do men say that I am, Matthew 16? Who do men say that I am? Peter was always good at opening his mouth and putting his foot inside it, but he nailed it that time. He said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, that's right, Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. He he. he Talked about Peter. There's some, some people are confused about that. Let's clear up the confusion. When Jesus said, on this rock, I'm going to build my church, he's not talking about Peter. He's talking about the statement that Peter made, that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, on that rock, on that statement, I am the foundation. On that rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What does that sound like? Power, <laughs> Right? Sounds like power. My mentor, Brother Bill Robinson, some of you, if you knew him, <laughs> may ask Brother Mike to not ever let me come back, but that's okay. I'm a way toned down version of Brother Bill. But uh, I sure love him and miss him. But I, I remember, and he would have done it if they'd have pointed it in the way he would have done it. He said, boy, it makes me feel like charging hell with a water pistol. 
if they would have showed him, if they'd have put up signs and showed him directions, he would have done it. He would have gone. And again, Leonard Ravenhill, uh, another quote of his that I think is incredible. He says one of his life's greatest ambitions is to live so that he's one of the most wanted on the most wanted list in hell. I messed that all up, but he, he said, I want to live. It is my life's ambition to live so that I'm one of the most wanted in hell. Think about that. To the point where our life makes such a difference for the kingdom that, that Satan's worried about you and his, he's got demons commissioned. Isn't that something? So we've, we've messed that verse up. Gates are defensive. We, I don't know how many times I've asked for testimony in church and, and some, some dear lady would stand up and say, well, the devil's just working me over. And that might be true. Chances are none of us are important that the devil himself has ever showed up to give you the blues. But, but we give him too much credit. Brother said it a while ago as he prayed. Folks, a victory has been won. And gates have never been ripped off their hinges and whooped anybody with them. Gates are defensive. The church is going the wrong way. Oh, the devil. No, the devil ought to be saying that about you. When we wake up in the morning... Our knees hit the, hit the floor, our, our feet hit the floor, they ought, to, they ought to call a meeting in hell, he's up again. The gates of hell shall not prevail. We ought to be pounding on the gates of hell. We lack power. Folks, we need to be clear, it's not our power. And it's not something we can conjure up. It says, Jesus said, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. What did these people that he was speaking to, what was their, their, their next thing they did? They went and waited on the Lord. Remember, they were in the upper room, and they were praying, they were waiting on the Lord. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you, where do we get our power? It's not in us. Jesus said in John 15, 5, very clearly, that apart from him, we can do nothing. But he said in another place, through Christ, we can do all things. And in another place, with God, all things are possible. Folks, we may like power, but God does not. God does not. And I, I think he is prepared to have some of his people, even in 2023, take him at his word. I believe he is prepared to exercise his power through people today. I want to read a verse in, in uh, verse 31 of Acts 4 says, when they had prayed, I, I love all of this, we, we could go all afternoon, when they had prayed, the place was shaking where they were assembled together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God 
with boldness. Real, real quickly, we lack power. I believe the primary reason we lack power is because we lack prayer. To quote Adrian Rogers again, he said, we can do more than pray after we prayed, but we'll do no more than pray until we prayed. Think about that. Why? Because Jesus said in John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. We lack power because we lack prayer. We lack power because we do not prioritize God's word. We could ask some more personal questions, and I don't know that I like the answers to them either. But, but how's our prayer life going? How's, how's our, de- our time of devotion How's the, how's the time we spend in God's word going? And we wonder why we lack power. I've often wondered, what if Jesus wrote the church a letter today like he did in Revelation 2 and 3? Have y'all ever read that? And... Seven different churches, seven letters, all very short, but man, some he scraped them, right? The first one and the last one for sure. There was some in between he didn't say anything bad about. There was nothing negative. It's incredible. And I'm certain if he wrote us a letter, there would be some positive things. But folks, think about that. What if he wrote the church today a letter? What would he have to say? More specifically, what if he wrote Central Baptist Church a letter? Let's bring it even closer to home. Because again, not aiming for your toes, but for your heart. What if the Lord Jesus Christ wrote you a letter? What would he say? How's it going with you? Because remember, nothing is hidden from him. We're, we can come to church and we can make everybody else feel like we're, we're something special. But he knows. How's it going with you? What would your letter say? And maybe more importantly than that, what, what are we going to do about it? If we don't like the answer, what are we going to do about it? I don't know everything that he would say. I cringe at the thought, really. But I know at the heart of it would be a call to return to him. On, on just basic levels. Have you all ever read Acts? I wish we could just keep going. And we try to be fancy today. We, we try to come up with new ways. We, we have all these plans and programs and this stuff. What, what of any of that did they have? There's nothing fancy. It's incredible, though, the unity and the love, the fellowship, the power. If you haven't read Acts in a while, read through some of that. Just awesome. And God responded to their faithfulness. Same way I believe he will respond today because he has promised. 
I believe the Lord would cause to return to him. To repent of our half-heartedness. Folks, whether we like it or not, if we did read those letters to those churches in Revelation 2 and 3, we would have to admit some of those things that he calls those churches out for we are guilty of. I believe he calls to repentance. He calls us to seek revival in our lives and our churches. In your church. Do you want to see God move in your church? Do you want to see God move in your life? Draw a circle around your feet. And ask God to spend time asking God to deal with everything in that circle. I remember a story of a man. A man was building a statue. He had a great big hunk of granite and a hammer and a chisel. It looked like nothing, but he was just chipping away. And this other man walked up and he said, What are you making there, sir? He said, A horse. And he stepped back and looked at it. He said, man, it doesn't even come close to resembling a horse. He said, how do you know what to chip away and what to leave? He said, I just chip away everything that doesn't look like a horse. <laughs> Folks, that's the kind of work we need done in that circle around our feet. We're called to be conformed to the image of Christ. Lord, chip away everything in this circle that doesn't look like you. Y'all remember that hymn? I know you do. You still sing hymns. I love it. Revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love. Let each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Take some of those old hymns, the words of those songs, make them prayers. He would call us to seek revival in our lives and our churches. And I believe... On very basic levels, he'd call us back to his word. See, if the church has drifted since Acts, I believe, and I believe it has, if we'll be honest and we look back on when we first got saved, we might have to admit that we've drifted too. And if we're not closer to Jesus today than we've ever been in our life, we're backslidden. What was it like when you first got saved? Did you have time to read your Bible? It was probably a blessing. It was priority. You had a fire in you. Revive us again. Make it a prayer. Fill each heart with your love. Let each soul be rekindled with fire from above. He calls us back to his word. He calls us back to our prayer closets. And now corporately, Central Baptist Church, I believe he'd call us back as churches, as local bodies of believers, he'd call us back to prayer meetings. We used to have those in churches, and y'all may be having them, I don't know. hope so. But I mean, really pray. And really pray together. The, I, it's been my experience, the greatest time to grow together and grow toward God together is in a prayer meeting. You learn more about each other then than ever. 
and not just a time to, to throw our prayer requests at God, but a time to seek his face. That's what he said, didn't he? The, we call it the recipe for revival. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. We've seen enough of his hand. We're all so blessed materially. What if we had a prayer meeting and seek his face? Folks, I think that this morning maybe is a good time to start. I don't know what the Lord is speaking to you. Maybe it is that, that you've never been saved at all, and you need to be. It's true that where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And if you say I'm dirty and rotten, you're in a good spot. Because nowadays that's the hardest thing to get out of somebody. It's harder to get them lost than to get them saved. If you've admitted that you're a sinner, then that's a good beginning. Jesus died for sinners. He died for you. And if you'll come to him, he will not cast you out. Believe in your heart that he died for you and he rose again. And ask him to save you. Maybe you're saved and been saved for years and maybe you would admit in your heart that I've drifted. Or maybe you're right where you want to be but you have a desire or where God wants you to be. You have a desire for more. You want to see God move. Maybe you want to come and pray for your church. I don't know what it is. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Central Word. Our prayer is that this message will encourage you in your walk with Christ as we dive into God's Word each and every week. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you in the week to come.